This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. This week's guest is Massachusetts 2nd District Congressman Jim McGovern. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern next. In rural America, there are three things that never change. The land, the determination of the families that farm it, and the loyalty of their co-ops, which provide the markets, inputs, and agronomic expertise farmers and ranchers need to stay profitable. CHS, the nation's leading cooperative, is proud to connect member cooperatives and producers to the value of an energy, grains, and food company they own. To learn more, visit chsinc.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Massachusetts Representative Jim McGovern has made eliminating hunger a top issue in his state and in his service on the House Agriculture Committee. The Democrat from the 2nd District says farmers are key to solving hunger issues in the nation. He hopes rural issues play a greater role in debate for the next president and for the leadership of the U.S. Congress. Look, I've come to appreciate how important rural issues are, how important... uh it is to have a 50-state farm policy, how important it is to make sure that our farmers have what they need to succeed because food is everything. You know, it, it sounds pretty simple to say that, but it really is. I mean, we need food, and I look at it uh, as a national security issue as well. Um, I want to grow more here in the United States. I want to rely on more uh, food that is grown here in the United States. You know, and I've, and I've made it a, a, a personal priority of mine to deal with this issue of food insecurity and hunger. Uh, and the American farmer is essential to us solving hunger in this country. The Agriculture Committee has held a number of hearings on the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Do you see a goal of those committee hearings, and do you see a conclusion in what you've been looking for? Well, the chairman has said that you know his goal is just to do a top-to-bottom review of the program. Uh, but uh, I'm a little suspicious uh, because all the hearings that we have done on SNAP have kind of concluded the same thing, and that is that this is an important program that by and large is run efficiently, uh, has a relatively low uh, fraud rate as compared to other federal programs, um, and is a program that is essential. Uh, charities can't pick up the slack. I mean, we need a, a strong SNAP program. Uh, I've all, I think we've also learned that the SNAP benefit is inadequate. On average, it's about a dollar forty per person per meal per day. You can't even buy a cup of coffee with that. So uh, people who are on SNAP end up going to food banks uh, at the end of the month because they don't have enough to continue to put food on the table uh, for their families. The other thing, you know, that uh, I think has been made clear is that the majority of people on SNAP uh, are children, are senior citizens are people who are disabled. Of those who can work, the majority work. We had some testimony from people you know, who are working. I mean, they, they work. They work full-time, and they earn so little uh, that they still need to rely on SNAP. So maybe we got to be talking about how to increase wages in this country, how to make sure that work pays more. But the, the, the conclusion of all these hearings has been this is a good program. It's an important program. Now, the Republicans, you know, have a, a political agenda with regard to SNAP. They don't like it. They've demonized the program. They claim that people on the program are lazy or, or somehow undeserving. And, you know, they, you know, they have talked about block granting the program. They have talked about cutting the program even more. I mean, they've succeeded in cutting it in the last farm bill and, and prior to that as well. 
they have talked about putting more hurdles in place, uh, more work requirements for people, uh, more hoops for people to jump through. Um, and so, uh, you know, their, their approach to this um, is, uh, you know, is, is kind of from a point of hostility. And uh, I'm not saying the program is perfect, but I'm saying it's a damn good program, um, and it serves an important purpose. I mean, food ought to be a right in this country for everybody. I mean, we need to, we can't live without it. And, um, and I've seen too many people uh, in my congressional district and around the country who are hungry. I have had families come into my office who don't know where the next meal is going to come from. I have, you know, I have been at soup kitchens. I have been at homeless shelters. I have been at food banks. I have talked to veterans who are hungry. I have talked to, I've seen children in classrooms who come to school on a Monday, haven't, haven't had anything to eat over the weekend, um, and they kind of stare off into a daze because they can't focus. And, and that food for that child is every bit as important as a textbook in order for that child to learn. You know, I think we ought to be talking about how do we, how do we strengthen the program, and we also ought to have a full discussion on how do you end hunger in America. We have close to 47 million people who are hungry in this country. That is unacceptable. That is shameful. We all should be ashamed of that fact. And yet we don't talk about that. Um, so SNAP is one of the tools to deal with, with hunger, but we need a more holistic discussion. And I continue to believe that, you know, I, w- I wish this president would have done it, but I hope the next president will do a White House conference on food, nutrition, and hunger and actually bring everybody together, including farmers, including teachers, doctors, uh, nutritionists, I mean, heads of food banks, anybody who's interested, bring them together and let us come up with a holistic plan that will end hunger in this country once and for all. You serve as the ranking member on the subcommittee with nutrition. So if you had the golden pen, what are the specifics that you would absolutely not want to change, but absolute changes that you see this program needs now? Well, first of all, when people talk about block granting the program, uh, that's basically code for cutting people off the program, giving states the ability to spend their monies on whatever they want to. And I think when it comes to making sure people have food, we, we have to be certain that the monies we're sending uh, actually go to the, for, for that purpose. So I think that's a mistake. I think we ought to be talking as well about how do we increase the benefit to a point where people can afford to put food on the table for an entire month. We also should be talking about nutrition insecurity as well. It's not enough just to give people junk. We want to make sure people are, are getting food that's actually good for them. Food is medicine. You know, I've talked to uh, nutritionists who, you know, who lament over the amount of young people. Um, I'm talking about, you know, young teenagers who are battling with obesity and diabetes and high blood pressure, all of it related to what they eat. You know, if we could do something about that, you not only give that young child, a, you know, a better future, you also save the system a whole boatload of money and avo- unavoidable health care costs. Hunger costs us a lot of money. And um, one of the things we're not very good about in the Agriculture Committee or even in Congress in general is kind of looking at things holistically. You know, we say, oh, we can't raise one more penny for this program. You know, but if you looked at, at at the issue more holistically, you'd say, well, if we raised this a little bit here, we could save a whole bunch over here, and we could save a whole bunch over here. We need to look at this, you know, from a bigger lens. You know, so look, I don't have all the answers, but I do know this, that in various parts of the country, in addition to SNAP, there have been programs that have been successful, that have been forward-thinking, that have helped try to deal with the issue of hunger and food insecurity in a way that is kind of more comprehensive. 
that's why I want this White House conference. Let's bring the best practices together under one roof and let's see whether we can replicate them. Let's see whether we can actually do something that once and for all ends hunger in this country. Your thoughts of requirements on stores, on corner stores and others, that they would have to have a wider variety of foods to be able to service those who wanted to use their SNAP benefits? Well, on one hand, I mean, I understand the impulse. You know, we want to make sure that people have access to healthier and more nutritious foods. On the other hand, the reality is, is, you know, a lot of the stores we're talking about, you know, are these kind of mom and pop stores or convenience stores or what have you that one don't have the space or, or don't have the capacity for storage and that, you know, couldn't, can't comply with some of these new regulations that USDA is putting out. And for a lot of people, especially a lot of poor people, those are the only places where they can get food. Sometimes people don't have a car. If you live in a rural area and you don't have a car, you, you, you know, you're, you're, you're limited. Or if you live in a rural area and the closest major supermarket, you know, is 30 miles away, the cost of gas to and from is significant, but you tend to rely on that smaller store. Yes, we, we want to make sure that healthier and more nutritious foods are accessible to more people, and I'm all for that. But I think the way the, the rule has been drafted, my fear is that it would mean that a lot of people would lose access to food, period. And I think that would be a mistake. So that's why, I mean, I think in, in this one area, both Democrats and Republicans actually kind of were singing the same tune to say to USDA, uh, you know, you better go back to the drawing board. Is the need for summer meals for kids more uh, urban, or is it also a rural issue? It is a, it is a problem in, in both urban and rural areas. And, and in fact, in rural areas, sometimes it's even more challenging because it's harder to get to some of these sites. And so one of the things we need to be thinking about is how we can improve transportation to and from some of these sites. So that requires additional funding. How we you know, maybe kind of adjust or tweak the rules so that meals can be delivered to kids directly, you know, live in places that are, are very difficult, you know, to get to and from for that family. You know, look, I always, I've seen too many hungry kids since coming to Congress. And if you've ever seen a hungry child, it breaks your heart. Um, and these programs are absolutely essential. Uh, and the summer feeding program in particular um, is essential because, again, kids don't get meals in school during the summer and hunger gets worse. You spent time before uh, leadership of the American Soybean Association talking about the new farm bill. One platform from one party would separate food and farm programs. Nutrition and agriculture programs would be separate and separate legislation. I think it would be a stupid idea to separate ag from nutrition in a, in a farm bill, unless you don't want a farm bill. I don't know how you get a farm bill if you take the nutrition component out of the bill. And, um, you know, and I, and I hear some of my Republican colleagues who, you know, who su- suggest that saying, well, you know, more money should be going to farmers. As if, the, you know, like programs like SNAP don't benefit farmers. People can only buy food with SNAP. Who grows food? Farmers grow food. Um, so, you know, these, these nutrition programs, yeah, they help individuals who are struggling, but they're also purchasing foods, you know, that are grown here in the United States of America. You know, I'm, 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 I'm always in awe that so many of the food banks, especially here in Massachusetts, make a special effort to buy local foods to support our local farmers. You know, they want to, um, they want to support a, a strong agriculture here in Massachusetts. And they also appreciate the fact that so many of our farmers are unbelievably generous, you know, with some of their excess food and with gleaning efforts and on and on and on. I mean, farmers have been in the forefront of this 
battle to end hunger, you know, f- forever. Um, and thank God they are, because hunger would be much worse in this country if it weren't for the generosity of, of, of our farmers. But you try to convince somebody who lives in a city that they should be supporting subsidies for this or that or that crop or this crop, that's a tough sell. But they'll support a bill, and, they'll, and, and they're willing to be reasonable um, on these other um, aspects of the farm bill um, if they can actually show their constituents and they can prove to themselves that there's a benefit for the people they represent. And by the way, I, I would also say that uh, people who live in rural areas should not want them to tax either because the nutrition parts of the farm bill are even more important for rural areas. I mean, percentage-wise, more people rely on SNAP in our rural areas than in our urban areas. So when people talk about SNAP, they always say, oh, this, this is a city issue. No, it's, 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 it's a city issue, and it is a big issue in rural areas in this country. And, you know, the challenges of hunger in rural areas are even more difficult uh, to try to overcome. Um, I think farm bills are important. And I think if you separate them, you're not going to get a farm bill. Are you more comfortable with programs that are geared toward risk management, like crop insurance and the ARC and the PLC that have been offered uh, of today's farm bill as opposed to those of farm bills gone by? Yeah, I do. I, I, you know, I will be, I'd be less than honest with you if I didn't tell you that, that I think we need to take a hard look at crop insurance. And again, not so much in any way to put at risk any of the small or medium sized farmers. I mean, I think there is some concern about some of these bigger players that seem to, to benefit uh, in a way that doesn't always seem fair. But I understand the risk uh, that farmers uh, face each and every day. And, uh, and we need to make sure that you know, we're there for them in cases of a difficulty, which could either happen through Mother Nature or through an economic, you know, crisis or through a number of other ways. That's an aspect that I, I wish we did a couple of hearings on versus, uh, you know, again, 16 hearings on SNAP. I think there's some other areas that ought to deserve a little attention as well. Drifting back closer to the election, agriculture groups have shared with me that they're concerned that we seem to have an anti-trade and an anti-globalization attitude as we look to new leadership. How important is trade, and how do you see NAFTA and TPP and other bilateral and multilateral agreements for the success of agriculture, but also for U.S. industry? Well, look, I I think trade is important, but we need to make sure we have good trade agreements. You mentioned NAFTA. Uh, When I first came to Congress, I represented the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, which was, uh, you know, a textile center in our country. Um, After NAFTA, what was left of the textile industry left. And there's been no relief to that city. Uh, Nobody came to help and to invest more as a result of their loss because of that trade agreement. And so that's why a lot of people feel anxious when you talk about trade agreements, uh, because NAFTA may have been good for a small number of people in this country, but there, you know, a lot of people, including a lot of my constituents, it wasn't so good. You know, um, and, the, you know, there are issues with TPP that, that people have raised about, you know, d- dealing with countries like Vietnam, for example, uh, their human rights record, their, their lack of environmental standards, their, their low wages, and how do you, you know, how do you end up competing on that kind of a playing field? So, Look, I think we can do better on trade than, we're, than we've done. By the way, I've, I've visited with a lot of farmers, not just from Massachusetts, but from all across the country, you know, who tell me that, yeah, I know some of our organizations favor TPP, but you know what? The more we look into it, the more we're like, yeah, I've got reservations about that too. So what we should do, I think, is start anew and actually have real people at the table 
and not just the leaders of big industry or big agriculture, but understand that the strength in this country is with our small and medium-sized businesses and as well as our small and medium-sized farms. And we need to make sure that their issues are being addressed and taken care of. And I think we can do a better job. So this, I'm not against trade, but I'm against lousy trade deals. And I think NAFTA was a lousy trade deal. And I think that TPP, as it is written, is a lousy trade deal. And I think you know, we, we can work together and improve it. We should. Following the disclosure legislation that has now been signed into law with regarding uh, GMO foods, are you comfortable with the Department of Agriculture writing the regulations that will follow through the law of the land? Well, you know, I mean, my answer to that would be um, I didn't like the legislation to begin with. I thought that the cleanest thing for us to do would simply just require mandatory GMO labeling. I mean, I can buy a candy bar in London, and it tells me that it contains GMOs, but I can buy the same candy bar in Boston, and it it says nothing. You know, I think if people, you know, want to know what's in their food, they ought to know what's in their food. And I'm not anti-GMO. I eat GMOs. My kids eat GMOs. But I don't see what the big fuss is over mandatory labeling. Quite frankly, and I've had this discussion with industry that I think that their their insistence to fight this uh, labeling uh, has made people suspicious. Like, what are you hiding? If there's nothing to hide, then why? What, what, what's the big deal with labeling? My worry about what was done in this compromise legislation is that uh, two of the options don't work. You know, one is you you, you know you, you could call it an, into an 800 number. Let's be honest. If you go shopping, I mean, are you going to just walk around with your cell phone? and dial 1-800 for every product you buy to find out what's in it, or the other is this kind of this barcode, which you could put your smartphone up to, and, and it could tell you what's in the uh, what's in the package. You know, I when I'm in Washington, I, I shop at the Harris Teeter, not too far from uh, the, the Capitol, and the one thing that I can tell you about the Harris Teeter is that when I walk in, my cell phone doesn't work. I can't even call my wife to find out whether I'm reading the grocery list correctly. Um, there's no service. So, I mean, there is, you know, if, 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 the, if the goal is to make it confusing or to even give people the ability not to know what's in their food, then, you know, that, that legislation, as it's written, actually provides a pathway for that. Now, it depends on how the Department of Agriculture issues the regulations, and so some of us are going to work with them, you know, to try to make sure that whatever it is, it's as transparent as possible um, and it's easy to understand and it's user-friendly, um, and we should just do it. And, look, I, I, you know, all this resistance, I will just tell you, um, um, you know, over a period of time will be overcome because people are going to demand um, to know what's in their foods. And so, you know, if, if there's some hiccups along the way, I think in the long term um, there will be mandatory GMO labeling. But I just wish we could just get to it sooner and get this behind us. Um, and uh, make all this less confusing, both for the people who produce the food and for the people who buy the food. Congressman McGovern, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us here on Open Mic. Sir, it is Open Mic, and you have an open forum. Well, thank you for having me. And again, I'm I'm just going to go back to what we talked about at the beginning, and that's this issue of hunger and the importance of American agriculture in, um, in combating it. I mean... You know, not only in terms of the food that we produce, we, we, we did a hearing in the Agriculture Committee about food waste and about a lot of the food that's grown on farms that, um, you know, that is discarded, um, you know, for various reasons, but it's perfectly good. 
to eat. You know, we need to put together an infrastructure to help our small and medium-sized farms in particular be able to recapture that food and get it to people who need it, whether it's in food banks or homeless shelters or in our schools or our senior centers. Um, you know, nobody in this country um, should ever go hungry. And, um, and unfortunately, uh, the reality in this country is that tens of millions of our fellow citizens are hungry. And, and, um, and I also believe that, you know, um, American farmers in this country can do more to you know, protect our national security around the world uh, then all the weapons and bombs we're selling to every country that will pay for them. Um, you know, I, 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 one of my proudest achievements was that I helped, uh, I, I was the house author of the George McGovern Bob Dole International Food for Education program, which was a school feeding program. And I remember going to um, Columbia and visiting one of those um, school feeding programs uh, over a decade ago. And um, I met a young mother. Uh, who introduced me to her 11-year-old son who was uh, being fed and going to school as a result of this program. And she said to me and to the U.S. ambassador, she said, I want you to meet my 11-year-old son. She says, every day one of the armed actors comes through this slum that we're living in. One day it's the left-wing FARC guerrillas, the next day it's the right-wing paramilitaries. And they asked me, this 11-year-old boy's mother, to give him up, to give him to one of these armed groups. And they say to me, if, he, if you give him to us uh, and he joins our, joins our armed cause, we will guarantee him something that you can, and that is we'll feed him every day. And she says, now I don't have to make that choice. Now my son is eating every day, he's learning to read, and he'll, and he'll hopefully someday get out of this slum. And she says, I, I, I thank the American people for that, uh, and I'll never forget it. And I said to the ambassador, I said, that's it. I mean, that's, you know, when, when people, when people uh, you know, appreciate uh, these kinds of programs, when people, you know, are grateful, um, they like you. <laughs> and when people like you, they don't want to blow you up. We ought to use the Amer- American farmers, um, you know, uh, their, their ingenuity to help, um, you know, uh, developing countries better develop their, their agricultural base. We ought to use the food in this country um, that, uh, that we grow to help feed the hungry around the world. Uh, and this is something that's doable. And I believe we could do it in my lifetime. And I just hope we get to the point where we, well, we, we can, we can actually talk about solving big problems like hunger at home and hunger abroad. And, um, and again, I, uh, and I'm grateful to, to the farmers I've met in Massachusetts and around the country who do so much good and who are so generous. Um, they're important to our economy, but uh, more, more, just as important to me is uh, they're one of the reasons why people all, all over the world respect the United States. So thank you for having me. Our thanks to U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Allen.